chapter fourteen of the maid of scar this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the maid of scar by r d blackmore chapter fourteen in accordance with the evidence there is no need for me to follow all the crowner's doings or all that the juries thought and said which was different altogether from what they meant to think and say and he found himself bound to have two of them with first right of inquest to the baby because of the stamp on his pinafore and here i was foreman of the jury with fifteen pence for my services and would gladly have served on the other jury after walking all that way but was disabled for doing so and only got nine pence for testimony with that however i need not meddle as every one knows all about it only to make clear all that happened and indeed to clear myself i am forced to put before you all that we did about that baby as fully and emphatically as the state of our doings upon that occasion permitted me to remember it for the coroner sat at the head of the table in the great parlour of the house and the dead child came in on his board and we all regarded him carefully especially heeding his coronet mark and then set him by the window a fine young boy enough to look at about the age of our bardie and might have been her twin brother as everybody vowed he was only his face was bolder and stronger and his nose quite different and altogether a brave young chap instead of funny and delicate all this however might well have come from knocking about in the sea so much i would have given a good half-crown to have bitten off my foolish tongue when one of the jurymen stood up and began to address the coroner he spoke unluckily very good english and his honour was glad to pay heed to him and the clerk put down nearly all he said word for word as might be this meddlesome fellow being no less than brother hezekiah's self nodded to me for leave to speak which i could not deny him and his honour lost no time whatever to put his mouth into his rummer of punch as now provided for all of us and to bow whenever his mouth was empty to that hezekiah for the man had won some reputation or rather had made it for himself by perpetual talking as if he were skilled in the history and antiquities of the neighbourhood of these he made so rare a patchwork heads and tails prose verse and proverbs histories and his stories that as i heard from a man of real teaching and learning who met him once and kept out of his way ever after any one trusting him might sit down in the chair of canute at king arthur's table not that i or any of my neighbours would be the worse for doing that only the thought of it frightened us and made us unwilling to hearken him much however if there was any matter on which hezekiah deserved to be heard no doubt it was this upon which he was now delivering his opinions to wit the great 
inroad or invasion of the sand for miles along our coast of which there are very strange things to tell and of which he had made an especial study having a field at candleston with a shed upon it and a rick of hay all which disappeared in a single night and none was ever seen afterwards it was the only field he had being left to him by his grandmother and many people were disappointed that he had not slept with his cow that night this directed his attention to the serious consideration as he always told us at first start being a lover of three decked words of the most important contemplation which could occupy the attention of any cambrian landowner show your land cried a wag of a tailor with none to cross his legs upon but we put him down and pegged him down till his manner should be of the pattern book hezekiah went on to tell in words too long to answer the helm of such a plain sailor as i am how the sweep of hundreds of miles of sand had come up from the west and southwest in only two hundred and fifty years how it had first begun to flow about the scilly islands as mentioned by one more lace and came to the mouth of hale river in cornwall in the early years of king henry the eighth and after that blocked up bude haven and swallowed the ploughs in the arable land then at lanant it came like a cloud over the moon one winter night and buried five-and-thirty houses with the people in them an act of parliament was passed chapter the second of philip and mary to keep it out of glamorganshire and good commissioners were appointed and a survey made along the coast especially of kenfig nevertheless the dash of sand was scarcely on their ink when swarming driving darkening the air the storm swept on their survey at the mouths of the tawi and afan rivers the two sailors chapels were buried and then it swept up the great roman road a branch of the julian way and smothered the pillars of gordian and swallowed the castle of kenfig which stood by the side of the western road and still rushing eastward took newton village and newton old church beneath it and so it went on for two hundred years coming up from the sea no doubt carried by the perpetual gales which always are from the south and west filling all the hollow places changing all bright mossy pools into hills of yellow drought and like a great encampment dwelling over miles and leagues of land and like a camp it was in this that it was always striking tent six times in the last few years had the highest peak of sand the general's tent it might be called been shifted miles away perhaps and then come back towards ogmore and it was only the other day that through some shift or swirl of wind a windmill with its sails entire had been laid bare near candleston of which the last record was in court rolls of a hundred and fifty years agone now all this though hezekiah said it was true enough i do believe having heard things much to the same purpose from my own old grandfather the coroner listened with more patience than we had given him credit for although he told us that brother perkins should have 
reserved his learned speech for the second inquiry which was to be about the deaths of the five young men for to him it appeared that this noble infant must lay the blame of his grievous loss not on the sand but upon the sea hezekiah replied with great deference that the cause in both cases was the same for that the movement of sand went on under the sea even more than ashore and hence the fatal gulfing of that ship the andalusia and the loss of his young lordship the name he had given the ship surprised me and indeed i felt sure that it was quite wrong and so i said immediately without any low consideration of what might be mine own interest but the coroner would not hearken to me being much impressed now with the learning and wisdom of hezekiah perkins and when hezekiah presented his card beginning with horologist and ending with the king and queen he might have had any verdict he liked if he himself had been upon trial therefore after calling in for the sake of form the two poor women who found the dead baby among the seaweed and had seven pence apiece for doing so and who cried all the while that they talked in welsh each having seen a dear baby like him not more than twenty years ago we came in the most unanimous manner under his lordship's guidance to the following excellent verdict found drowned on pool tavan rock a man-child supposed to be two years old believed to be a young nobleman from marks on pinafore and high bearing but cast away by a storm of sand from the ship andalusia of appledore now i was as certain as sure could be that half of this verdict must be wrong especially as to the name of the ship and her belonging to appledore which never yet owned any craft of more than two hundred tons at the utmost a snow or a brig at the very outside nevertheless i was compelled to give in to the rest of them and most of all to the coroner only i said as many who are still alive can remember and are not afraid to speak to and especially my good friend mr lewis the ship was not called the andalusia the ship was never from appledore neither was she of british build as an old seaman it is likely that i know more of the build of a ship than a lubber of a clockmaker or rather a clock mauler but here i was put down sternly and hearing of verdicts a great deal worse without any mischief come of them i was even content to sign the return and have a new pipe of bird's eye and a bird's eye view this gave me of them at the second inquest wherein i had to give evidence and was not of the jury they wanted to cross-examine me because i had been unpleasant but of that they got the worst and dropped it but as all our jurymen declared upon their oaths that the little nobleman was drowned in a storm of sand so they found that the five young rabbiters came to their end of smothering through a violent sea-tempest in the days of my youth such judgments perhaps would have tried my patience but now i knew that nothing ever follows truth and justice people talk of both these things and perhaps the idea does them good be that according to god's will as we always say when deprived of our own at any rate i am bound to tell one little thing more about each quest 
and first about the first one why was i so vexed and angry with my foolish tongue when hezekiah began to speak only because i knew full well that it would lead to the very thing which it was my own desire to avoid if possible and this as you may guess at once after what happened on the stairs was the rude fetching and exposing of the dear little maid among so many common fellows and to show her the baby corpse i feared that it must come to this through my own thoughtless blabbing about her ickle brother in the presence of hezekiah and if ever man had a hollow dry heart from over-pumping of the tongue i had it when hezekiah came in bearing in a depth of fright and wonder and contempt of him my own delicate bardy i had set my back against the door and sworn that they should not have her but crafty perkins had stolen out by another door while they humoured me now my pretty dear was awed and hushed beyond all crying and even could not move her feet as children do in a kicking way trying to get as far as possible from hezekiah's nasty face which gave me a great deal of pleasure because she had never done the like to me unless i were full of tobacco she stretched away from his greasy shoulder and then she saw old davy her hands came toward me and so did her eyes and so did her lips with great promise of kisses such as her father and mother perhaps might have been mightily tempted by but nobody now to care for them when hezekiah pretending to dandle this little lady in a jaunty way like one of his filthy low children was taking her towards that poor little corpse so white in the light of the window and when he made her look at it and said is that ickle bother my dear and she all the time was shivering and turning her eyes away from it and seeking for me to help her i got rid of the two men who held me nor hearkened i the coroner but gave hezekiah such a grip as he felt for three months afterwards and with bardie on my left arm kept my right fist ready nobody cared to encounter this for i happened to tell the neighbourhood how the frenchman's head came off at the time when he tried to injure me and so i bore off the little one till her chest began to pant and her tears ran down my beard and then as i spoke softly to her and began to raise her fingers and to tickle her frizzy hair all of a sudden she flung both arms around my neck and loved me oh davy poor ickle bardie not go to e back pit hole yet no my dear not for ever so long not for eighty years at least and then go straight to heaven ickle bother go to e back pit hole does a think old davy this was more than i could tell though inclined to think it very likely however before i could answer some of the jury followed us and behind them the coroner himself they insisted on putting a question to her and so long as they did not force her again to look at that which terrified her i had no right to prevent them they all desired to speak at once but the clerk of the coroner took the lead having as yet performed no work toward the earning of his salt or rum an innocent old man he was but very free from cleanliness and the child being most particular of all ever born in that matter turned away with her mite of a nose in a manner indescribable 
he was much too dull to notice this but putting back his spectacles and stooping over her hair and ears which was all she left outside my beard he wanted to show his skill in babies of which he boasted himself a grandfather and so he began to whisper my little dear you will be a good child a very good child won't you now i can see it in your little face such a pretty dear you are and all good children always do as they are told you know we want you to tell us a little thing about pretty little brother i have got a little girl at home not so old as you are and she is so clever you can't think everything she does and says everything we tell her take a ye eat nasty old man take a ye eat bad old man or i never tis again old davy she flashed up at me with such wrath that i was forced to obey her while the old man put down his goggles to stare and all the jury laughed at him and i was running away with her for her little breath was hot and short when the coroner called out stop man i know how to manage her at this i was bound to pull up and set her to look at him as he ordered me she sat well up in my arms and looked and seemed not to think very highly of him look at his honour my dear said i stroking her hair as i knew she liked look at his lordship you pretty duck little child began his honour you have a duty to perform even at this early period of your very beginning life we are most desirous to spare your feelings having strong reasons to believe that you are sprung from a noble family but in our duty towards your lineage we must require you my little dear we must request you my little lady to assist us in our endeavour to identify i can say dentify old davy tell e silly old man to say dentify same as i does she spread her little open hand with such contempt at the coroner that even his own clerk could not keep his countenance from laughing and his honour having good reason to think her a baby of high position before was now so certain that he said god bless her what a child she is take her away old mariner she is used to high society End of chapter fourteen